Hey everyone, welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Hemel Javeri, writer and editor at For the Win, along with Stephen Ruiz, our head NFL writer, and Evan Thorpe, video producer. What's up, guys? I'm a writer too now. Oh, that's right. You had your first two bylines this week. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I'm working on like seven hours of sleep. Like total. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like seven hours sounds like pretty good for a night. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about the draft. Uh, I know Steven has been working real hard on it. Uh, you don't really want to go over the traditional NFL draft takes, that, though. No, this is like kind of it. At, it's kind of my least favorite part of the draft process and my most favorite part because this is when the anonymous scouts like start mm-hmm. firing off their takes and they're these people are they have to be the worst people on earth it's like if twitter twitter eggs were commenting on the draft <laughs> and they were hired by nfl teams to like study these prospects they're just the worst like let me give you one example and this is from i think like 2015 it was a player uh an offensive lineman, and basically the anonymous scout said he was raised by his by his mother, oh. so he, there's no way he can be tough. Oh my god! And then he tried to like say like it's not his fault, but it still matters. Like those are the kind of takes you get from these people, right? That you shouldn't draft him for your team because he was raised by his mom and therefore might be too emotional or or whatever. The implication is there. Yeah, I hate that take all around because that's me. Ain't nothing wrong with me. Are you soft, Evan? Hey, man. <laughs> I will say that every time I have gotten like either ratioed on social media or attacked unfairly or even walked down the newsroom and someone has looked at me weird, Evan is the first one to, to offer to jump in and throw punches. <laughs> I just try to look out for my peoples, man. Uh, Yeah, but what else is coming out out of the draft that you think we should know about? Uh, Just more... <laughs> I don't know. You you don't know what's going on. Everyone's just feeding every reporters lies. That's what the NFL teams do. They do it on purpose. They don't even like hide it. They're like, yeah, we're gonna not tell you anything. And then these reports come out, and you know they're from the team. Like uh, one about Haskins, he's been getting killed recently. Like the, over the last month, Dwayne Haskins, he he was supposed to be a top five pick, like basically since the end of the college football season. But now everyone's hating on him in the the media one team questioned whether he's too worried about his brand which i thought was weird because the best quarterback in the league right now has he's the only quarterback in the league with a brand and it doesn't stop him from winning super bowls russell wilson is working on his brand as well <laughs> he, he, he's not doing well <laughs> he's rocking cornrows now i mean he's working on it but how well it's going is up for debate <laughs> have you ever seen anyone wearing a russell wilson shirt yes a lot of people in Virginia like Russell Wilson. Why? He's from my area. Well, he went to school. Oh, he went to. He's from Richmond. He went to collegiate, which is in Richmond. Mm. So like, people just be like, "Oh, I support Russell Wilson. He went to school here." So what well, we need like a in depth report from you, like figuring out how he really talks. Oh, <laughs> we could we can actually do that because we can go through like his draft days, how he talked, his first couple years, Super Bowl, Russ. And then, like, new Russ. Super Bowl Russ. This is, like, phase three Russ that, yeah. that we've gotten into. But it's hard to blame him for, like, switching up like this because of what I just said with these anonymous scouts, like, bashing a player for anything. If he had put that video out of him getting cornrow- cornrows before the draft, there would have been an, a scout, like, bashing him for it somehow. I agree with that. Let's talk about the social media post of the week from Dame. Well, he had an incredible Tuesday night. So Dame had an incredible Tuesday night. Uh, 
made that what thirty foot three pointer. I mean, it was basically from half court. half court to and uh, kicked the um, OKC Thunder out of uh, the playoffs. Uh, to follow that up, what did he post on social media? Evan, walk us through it. So he went on IG. I mean, he had a great time on social media that night. But the next day, he he posted this uh, quote from The Art of War. It is the unemo- unemotional, reserve, calm, detached warrior who wins. Not the hothead seeking vengeance and not the ambitious seeker of fortune. So a lot of people clearly think he's talking about Westbrook. Russell Westbrook yeah. because throughout this year, those two have been like just going at it. And I think Westbrook at one point throughout the year was like, "I bust your a," like I always beat you, and he always does the baby celebration whenever he scores on him. So coming into this series, people were like really excited for this matchup, and Dame pretty much like he won it. I mean, he won a series, but the head-to-head yeah. matchup, I would say he won. And so he posted a lot of pictures, and I think for him it was just, like, kind of, like, redeeming what happened last year, getting swept in the first round, being a higher seed, and the Mm -hmm. fact that you're going up against probably, like, the one-point guard who people are always going to match you up with in the league to beat him 4-1 when everybody expected him to beat you. Like, he finally got some weight off his shoulders. Yeah, I did not watch it live last night because I was watching hockey, Mm -hmm. uh, which I know makes me in the minority, but – even on replay, you can see his attitude before he takes the shot, his attitude after he takes the shot, his attitude in the pile, like in the celebration pile. So my thing. Like he waves. Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. My thing about the shot is people are like making a big deal about it because he made it. That was a terrible shot to take. So who cares? Yeah, what? That's what? A this is a, shot to that's take. this is what's what what's his name said during the press conference. Paul George. Yeah. Like people were like, "Oh my god, he's just hating." He was correct. That was a terrible shot. They but were why does one. it matter? It is inconsequential whether or not that it, is it a doesn't. terrible it, shot. It, if he he it went in. But like people were bashing Paul George for like his defense on the shot. I would have played the defense the exact same way. Like prove to me you can make a shot two steps in front of half court. But he's made that shot before. I, 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 I would give I would give Steph Curry that shot if I was in the league. Like, if you want to shoot that, and go ahead. That's a bad strategy. Yeah, if I, he's made it before. He's made it before under pressure. Apparently, in the previous NBA Finals. And no, it, it was last year in the playoffs. He made a similar shot, but how far away? Like, I'm. I will take that risk and let somebody shoot two steps but, in front of half court. Right, but. With uh, your series, with your season on the line, you're going to let somebody, you're just going to step aside and say, you know what, go ahead. I'm going to see if you can make this. Yep. (laughs) Plus, you want the ball out of his hand. So play him up close. If he drives by you, your teammates will help and they'll have to pass. If he doesn't pass, he's going to take a contested shot. You want it out of his hand. He just didn't even try because he just assumed that he wasn't going to make it. I, I thought and you know like, what they say about assumptions. What they say? I'm not going to say it. You should know what they say about assumptions. It makes an A word out of you and an A word out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Paul George did what probably every basketball player would have done and just was like, he ain't going to shoot this. <laughs> <laughs> what a great defense <laughs> strategy. But there are two players that consistently take shots like that in Lillard's one of them, and yeah. Curry's the other one. You, you know, have funny? to guard against it. Curry hit a shot like that two years ago against the Oklahoma City Thunder in a regular season. But I, like I said, 
I would be like, you know what? Go ahead. Prove to me. Prove to me you can make that. Okay, show. well, then you. He proved. He proved, <laughs> he it. proved it. You're definitely on the losing side of that equation. Like, you can say, yes, this is a bad shot to take. And but also what he's really admitting to is that I underestimated the person that I was guarding because I assumed that they wouldn't be able to make it, even though they have shown historically then that they can make shots like that. And that, to me, is just his own ego getting in the way. I don't think he underestimated. I think he I think he was scared to guard him on ball to get on to get close to him because he's going to go right by him. But I, I just like. I would have I would have played it just like Paul George played it because he didn't want to give up like the initial drive past him and then you know then you got to worry about foul while a foul while it's tied up and it's under three seconds so it's like if he's gonna stand right there and dribble the clock out fine I'm waiting till you to come to me. Oh, anyway, all right. So we talked about Dame, which was really fun, but now we're about to get a little heavy. Stephen, what's on your mind? So a big trade happened in the NFL on Tuesday. Frank Clark. He is a pass rusher. He was a pass rusher for the Seahawks. The Seahawks traded him because they didn't think they were going to be able to get a long-term deal done with him, and they traded him to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs immediately gave him a $100 million contract. The thing about Frank Clark is before he he came to the NFL, he was accused of domestic violence, and the police report is really bad. It's worse than what Kareem Hunt did on video. But it's the Chiefs, again, who drafted Tyreek Hill. Yep. And then after they cut Kareem Hunt they kind of and Kareem Hunt had his own issues before they weren't domestic violence but they were behavioral issues yeah yeah. and then now they give this guy an 100 million dollar contract and making matters worse Frank Clark did what he did or what he was accused of doing and then he uh like basically took to Twitter after a, a reporter wrote about what he did and said you know you should be cleaning my fish tank or something like women like you don't last long in this profession so he badgered a woman about it after the fact. But I think we need to start holding these NFL teams accountable. Instead of suspending players, we should start penalizing teams for when players on their team get, you know, arrested for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to make them care about it mm-hmm. is to take a draft pick away. Like, don't suspend the player. Suspend the player, but do more than that. Yeah, I I'm glad I did not realize that he had that history um, and I probably should read more of the NFL content on our site. But this is the issue that I keep coming back to is that the system leagues have in place right now, the NHL, NBA, all of the professional leagues in terms of dealing with domestic violence is always one focused on after the fact two focused on just the players. It never addresses the victim at all. Right. It never addresses uh, what is the victim of the situation? Are we talking to the person who was involved? And uh, they kind of are like, okay, we'll suspend you. We'll, you'll pay a fine. And then it moves on from there. And whatever the rehabilitation process is, it's always left really in the dark, right? We are never, they're never really held accountable for it aside from he got to counseling. We're monitoring what he does. Uh, there's no follow-up after that fact until that person gets in trouble again, if they do get in trouble again. Uh mm-hmm. Teams don't have any incentive to actually start making, like, structural changes. Yeah, they'll get, like, fans on Twitter bashing them. Maybe they'll lose a couple season ticket holders, although I don't think that actually happens. But they they don't lose anything else. The only way this is going to happen is by taking draft picks away. And I think that's what you have to do. Take a first-round pick. If you want to take a risk on a player like Frank Clark and then pay him $100 million after he's – 
committed this violent act and then shown no remorse for it, yeah. you should be punished if he trips up again. Yeah, and I'm not even advocating that we apply a one-size-fits-all solution to all of these cases because each case is different. Each case has different layers. And I've said this before on the podcast. I'm not even against giving people second chances, but there are some cases that are so egregious and our bar for second chances is so low that everything that is being done to address domestic violence, especially in leagues, is superficial Band-Aid. Yeah, especially in the NFL because if a team wins – you're not going to hear – if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year, you're not going to hear anything about Frank Clark but or Tyreek Hill. It's just going to be like, oh, look look what they did this year. Let's look – let's what happened at the end of last year. Yeah. Forget the offseason and look where they are now because, I mean, I just – every NFL team that has this, like the Browns, like they yep. immediately picked up Tyreek Hill after everything happened. Kareem Hunt. I mean, Kareem Hunt. I'm sorry about that. And it's like we just care about winning. And, yeah, and the thing is, in a weird way, these players almost become like – commodities like they're almost it's more attractive to sign someone like Kareem Hunt because the price for him is going to be so cheap and Mm -hmm. it's a salary cap league so this that matters a lot if you can get a great player at a cheap cheaper cost you're going to take it your job depends on it but you need to win are you going to get fired so you can put those moral issues aside and just act on your own self-interest well the media is complicit in this too because they participate a lot and I'm including all of us in this as well when I say the media uh, they participate in like the redemption narrative of players, right? Where oh, this player they'll oblique, uh, obliquely refer to violent past or troubled youth and stuff like that, where they gloss over the fact that this person, you know, committed an act of assault, committed domestic violence, was accused of sexual assault, uh, and now how it's something to overcome versus like a serious character flaw that people should think about. Uh, and even the Steelers like resigned Ben for what two more years, and it's like it's crazy mm-hmm. that. Nobody talks about the stuff Ben Roethlisberger's done. It's all like just. I mean, nobody talks about Derrick Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody talks about Derrick Rose. And I wrote a whole column about this, too, which is that how often should we be bringing this stuff up? Once you win or you do something, it's just like we could care less about the past. They don't. They don't care at all. Yeah, the same. You could say the same for Kobe. Like, you yeah. look back at what Kobe has said about that case. He's basically said, "Oh, looking back at it now, I probably did commit sexual assault against this woman." Yeah, we don't talk about that anymore. We talk about him winning a uh, he Oscar. won a championship after that. He won two yeah. championships, and it was like, "Well, this is the Kobe we knew yep. before, and it's the Kobe we fell in love with." And the most recent example was Urban Meyer last year after Ohio State won a the Big Ten. Of course, mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh." He's been through so much this year. He's been through so much because he lied about knowing that one of his coaches was yeah. abusing his wife. his wife. Exactly. Like the, the the way that it's talked about as something that happened to them versus something that they were complicit in doing is is insane. And again, there's a lot of women like myself who will write about these things and you're just going to get trashed on social media. Or like, why are you bringing up old stuff? Like and that, nobody wants to hear about it. And actually like, because I like, to, I like Ohio State, so it was like watching the season, it just felt uncomfortable at yeah. times. And then, like, once they won the Big Ten, it was like, oh, my God, how much this team has went through. And I'm like. Yeah, what have they gone through? <laughs> they they went through the cover-up of. Uh, a coach a didn't coach, coach for yeah. two weeks, and the uh, the offensive coordinator was the head coach. Like, let's not make this about a redemption story. Let's right. celebrate the kids and not have him be. Yeah. Too attached to this. Like, celebrate yeah. the kids right now. Yeah, I agree with that. But that's my take is punish the team also. We don't do that. The NFL doesn't do it at all. 
they need to start doing it. That's the only way you stop people from the Redskins or the Chiefs or Browns from turning around and signing Kareem Hunt or Reuben Foster just weeks after they did something. They allegedly did something horrible. I agree with that. I think that structurally there needs to be a lot of different changes and it needs to focus much more on institutionally. How can we help prevent these things? And it isn't even about not giving second chances. It's about making sure that the person is getting the help they need and the victims are being taken care of in these situations. So. And I think you ensure that these teams actually do care that these players yeah. are getting help. Yeah. They're not just saying it. It's not just lip service. It's They actually have to or they're going to lose a draft pick. Totally agree with that. Um, anyway, the draft is Thursday night. So what else is Thursday night? The Avengers in game. <laughs> not for me. Steven's going to be chained to his desk and TV all weekend, unfortunately. Watching old white men read off the names of people. Um, yeah, I don't. I Do you have any thoughts going into Endgame? Um, I'm actually nervous because okay. a three-hour movie, I don't want this to be like two hours of Fuller and then one hour of like really extreme great content. I just want this to be, like, an overall good movie. But I'm nervous for the first two hours. I might get a little bored, and I might just be like, all right, let's get to the fight. The bar is really high. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Infinity War so good. The hype leading up to Endgame has been huge. And now that the movie is three hours long, there's a lot that has to happen, and a lot of it has to happen really well. Yes. And if it doesn't, then it's going to be disappointing. I mean, it's already 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so... They're they're good for like the critics reviews and all that, but like yeah. the diehards, I need to walk out of this movie feeling like I've invested this much into it and mm-hmm. it's paid off. Yeah. I don't want to come out and be like they left some on the table, or like I wish they would have did this. The what? good thing is that they can always make more movies. <laughs> <laughs> what has to happen for you to feel like that? People have to die. No, I I think if they do like. Like we talked about last week, if they try to put like some oh, of the yeah. new people in like big positions and it's like, you know, Captain Marvel is like the, the big hero who saves the day. Like, I'm I'm going to hate that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hate that because one, I because want Because you this... hate women. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. But it's the fact that like, I just want them to have like the original six. Yeah. Like this would be their final movie together. Yeah. And then maybe the next Avengers, like clearly she's set up to be yeah. like the leader or like one of the strongest people. Give her her time okay, yeah. with her group of people. Right. She's got to earn it. She can't just come yeah. in at the last minute and then steal the thunder. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's going to have a role. I get that. But, like, Ant-Man, I don't want him to be the reason they win. Like, I don't want him to be the sole reason. It'd be like, yeah. we finally have our, our answer to Thanos. Right. No. Yeah, it has to straddle this very difficult line between making you care about the new people and, like, emotionally getting invested in their stories, but also the payoff for the original six that, that we have, like, watched for... 10 years or something like that i will say the one thing that i would be kind of upset about is if uh, steve and peggy get together i i think that the whole character like their whole like tragic love story has been so key to that character that if you take that away he just becomes like super normal and it's so boring that's that's what i think is going to happen i think they're going to use the time stone i think he's going to sacrifice himself yeah. But he, they're going to use a time stone where he goes back to before when he was became Captain America and he's just going to live a normal I wouldn't like that. life. I don't 
know. I mean, I and that's kind of what I'm wondering. I'm like, is he just going to go be like a normal suburban dad in the 50s? Because that's I I don't know how that works. So. I want the sad ending that like he's he dies, but they <laughs> <laughs> but they win. So it's like he sacrificed himself. But at the end, it was worth it. And it's like from here on out, like we will always remember Captain America. Yeah. Not it, like it, him dance with Peggy. See, that's the thing, which is that for his legacy to matter, something tragic has to happen. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they find a way to give him a happy ending, but then also satisfy us. Uh, the good news is, is that. This wait, is what. Wait, I got one thing. One more. One thing I want to see with Captain America. I want him. <laughs> I want the him to go back to his life before Captain America. I don't even want to hear this. And then we get one after credit scene where he's at a Dodgers game booing, <laughs> booing Jackie Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> No, they should have him going to the Dodger game and people booing the black guy and be like, hey, in the future, you'll like him or something like that. Steven's long-held conspiracy theory that Steve Rogers might not be down with black people. He has a black friend. (laughs) What I was going to say is that the good news here is that this is our last episode where we will be speculating about what happens in Endgame because the next time that we talk to you we will be complaining about what we saw in Endgame so spoilers <laughs> um, if you follow me I'm spoiling it uh, Thursday night at 10.01 I'm tweeting I can't I can't help myself what if I haven't seen the movie by then that's your fault no one he's not going to do that two if he does we have our next worst fan in the world because that's going to be you I could care less. <laughs> All right. I have a Batman shirt on right now. Try me. All right. Try so, me. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Have a good NFL draft. Have fun at Avengers Endgame. And I think that's all that's happened this weekend. Oh, NHL playoffs too. So much sports. Avengers Endgame.